It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. You know it's time for race control on a Thursday night nationwide around New Zealand on SCNZ with Stephen McIver and Greg Murphy. Nothing like a little bit of glam rock to get you going, Murph. Mate, you know your music. You know you know how to just get me excited. You know how to turn me on, Stephen. Oh, baby, it's just so get good. Get me going. Pour Fight some up sugar on me, baby. we got plenty of sugar tonight. Okay, so coming your way shortly here from seven, 17-year-old Ryan Wood who raced his first endurance racing at Highlands Park last week in the first round of the Surdeck uh, series, and he won his class, which is pretty cool. And something close to Murph's heart, electric racing, EVs. Now, Murph, we're going to talk to Elton Goonan, the big boss of Motorsport New Zealand, and they've come out with guidelines for EVs being involved against combustion engines. Early thoughts on that for you? Well, it's just about EVs being able to compete you know as a whole regardless if it's against combustion or not but getting them out there and and you know, i suppose it was going to happen but i'm not sure we uh, are in a space right now and and will be uh in a space in you know in the near future to be ready and prepared to be able to manage that stuff so i just you know i don't know if it's if it's something we should be focused on well we're going to focus on it too because we've got hayden Patton who is developing his own ev rally car we'll talk to him just after 7 35 at 8 avalon's back to talk all things bikes and also just after 8 16 rihanna omira hunt the latest entry she's a very very good carter she, uh, she can't get over to race in europe which was the plan so she's going to hop in into the heart of racing twilight 86 and have a crack at it. But the big the big uh, interview this week is that of Neil Crompton, Supercars Hall of Fame. We've got a, a book out called Best Seat in the House, written by Aaron Noonan. It's his autobiography. And we're going to give you the chance to win one of two copies for that. And it's quite simple here. We're not going to give them away tonight. We'll give them away at the end of next week, Murph. And the simple question for everybody on 0800 150 will be, when you call us, when you call us, because if you don't call us, you don't get a crack in the book, is what's the name of the book? Can you remember that already? What's the name of the book, Murph? Well, it's in front of me on the screen. So, yes, I can remember it. it uh, and you do have – you've got the best seat in the house there, Stephen, as well. You know, there in the studio. I'm at home. But, Aww. you know, it is called the best seat in the house. And Neil Crompton uh, is – I don't know quite how to ex- describe him, but, um, I mean, he is a he is an integral part of, of 
obviously what supercars is today in more ways than one from a driver perspective and now obviously the voice and he has been the voice for a long long time now um, he's a very very clever man who knows uh, if what what he doesn't know it's not worth knowing in the sport yeah. that's for sure and he's a very very good broadcaster uh, and he knows how to do his job we'll tell you about Breaker or Accelerate after we talk to Elton Goonan but right now let's get on the phone to uh, stop it sorry Elton I know it's Goonan that's right it is Goonan uh, Ryan Woods, 17-year-old, races Porsche Highlands Park last week. Won his class, first time in an endurance race. Ryan joins us right now. Congratulations, buddy. Uh, first crack at Highlands properly and in an endurance race. How did that feel? Yeah, no, it was a pretty crazy weekend. Um, just learning every session, really. And, um, yeah, pretty happy to come away with the, the class win. And, um, yeah, look forward to tomorrow in two weeks. Was it uh, daunting at all, mate, turning up there in a very cool car, very fast car, very expensive car, and, uh, you know, with a fair bit of weight on your shoulders there at such a young age um, to, to, to make sure you manage that? Was the circuit daunting? or I mean, how were the nerves, the anxiousness? How excited were you? Yeah, 100%. There was a bit of weight on my shoulders, but... Um the thing is, I knew what I needed to do, so I went out there and um, did my best, and that's all I can really ask for at the end of the day. Um, we had a plan, and um, we succeeded what we wanted to do, and, um, yeah, now it's just about ticking those boxes every time we go out again. Well, Ryan, a lot of people love Highlands Motorsport Park. I've never driven it myself. I've been driven by Murph around it and came back and really need to change my pants after that one. But as a circuit for a driver, a young driver like yourself, how challenging is it and how much fun is it? It's um, probably one of my favourite tracks on the calendar just because it's um, got a bit of everything. You've got your slow speed and your high speed and especially in the cup car it's a lot different to um, when I was driving the 86 there last season, um, it's it's quite a bit different. Everything happens a lot faster. Um, but, yeah, definitely a track that you you go to and you, you do have nerves because concrete walls come up pretty fast and they're very close, like the bridge in the last turn. Um, but this year was a bit different with uh, no tile bundles, so made it a bit easier for myself. Um, but they have now, uh, like, pollards in the, on the curbs, so still hazards and stuff like that when you're going around the turns, but it's not as bad as where it was before. This is the, the most polite that I've ever heard you speak, um, just for those that uh, are listening. Um, uh, I know Ryan pretty well, have known him for quite a long time. I used to see him uh, when he was a tiny little munchkin uh, running around the go-kart tracks, uh, causing mayhem. So don't be fooled by the quiet sort of demeanour that he is showing on the radio. He is uh, not like that in real person. He's a little bit of a go-getter and uh, quite funny. I think quite funny. He probably thinks he's very funny, but he's quite funny and and uh, runs amuck with a big group of uh, like-minded individuals around the racetrack. But uh, you're a very entertaining young man. But I, you know that I uh, do like the way you drive. You know that I'm a bit of a fan of your work. But don't get a big head from that. Um, but you know the, the the rise that you've had, mate, and, and on on the way through. I mean, last year, what a battle in the TR86 Championship. Um, I know you went through some pain there, and and for most of the season. You you were sort of probably the you know the leader there in the in the pack, but to, to go from that and shift forward to where you are now, 
you know, uh, you've got some races to get through this year in this Porsche, and it's it's all around a bigger picture for you moving forward. Just tell us a little bit about, you know, where you where you want to be, and uh, and and what the the road from here is for Ryan Wood. Yeah, hundred percent. You know me pretty well, so um, what you said is pretty true. But like, obviously, with the eighty-six <laughs> stuff, everything that happened, um, it's just made me a better driver personally, and and obviously taking my racing to a next level racing against the likes of Rowan and Simon. So, um, yeah, basically the plan, well, hopefully, if everything goes well, is um, we've applied for the Porsche New Zealand scholarship and then, um, obviously, if I don't get that, we're going to work pretty hard to to get a drive and um, sprint challenge or career cup in Australia. So we're working pretty hard at that. Um, and we're also looking at doing the TRS at the moment with... Um, at, at uh, the Grand Prix. So with it being one off round and then New Zealand again, it's a um, pretty cool opportunity. And obviously with the likes of Matt Payne, the way he's done, it's a pretty cool way. And I've been a good mate of Matt for a while now. So um, just learning and listening to what he has to say. And he said with the, the TRS old deal, it's a great car to drive and learn. And like um, when he first started the car racing. So uh, yeah, that would be a cool step. Um, but yeah, short term is finish this, uh, the endurance series, and um, yeah, just keep doing what we're doing, and then hopefully some doors open next year. You you actually mentioned Matt Payne, and, and uh, I've got a note written down here uh, specifically mentioning him. I mean, uh, the fact that you you know all you guys know each other so well, and, and you've competed against each other, and your mates and stuff. I mean, looking at uh, at his rise and what the media and and the speculation is around where Matt could possibly be next year, um, that's a meteoric rise in my book and 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 i i think he deserves it based on what he's done in that career cup car uh just of recent times in townsville i mean that how did for you looking at that and and knowing the guy and obviously um appreciating his ability you know that's got to be uh a pretty awesome thing for you and the way you think where you should be and where you're going to go to you know to, the runs that he's putting on the board you must be excited about for him, but also excited now about what that potentially can mean for someone like you who's trying to follow those footsteps. Yeah, 100%. Just being all the pathways that are popping up at the moment for Kiwi young Kiwi drivers is pretty awesome with um, the likes of the Porsche New Zealand scholarship and what Tony Quinn's doing for young Kiwis is pretty cool with the TRS and the 86 stuff and then also harder racing. Um, just everything at the moment uh, looking like they just love Kiwi racing drivers. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, Matt's done an outstanding job. The way he's just progressed through is pretty unheard of. So um, to, to go from basically the top end of go-karts to the top end of race cars is saying something. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty cool. And then you've got the whole talent pool, like you said, is just, um, guys that have raced against each other for years now and go-karts and everything. So it's just like like it always is, the same sort of circle, and then they all come together at the end. So hopefully I can be a part of that and, um, yeah, hopefully be back racing against Matt soon. So so for you, Ryan, is it tin tops or open wheelers? Is it really going to be tin tops all the way for you now? Yeah, tin tops all the way for me personally, um, unless we win the lotto. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think... <laughs> 
Western top for me is just um, I've always enjoyed it. I've never really had my eyes set on anything else. So, yeah, supercars or GT stuff in Europe, kind of the dream, really. Well, I suppose when you think about it, Ryan, there's plenty of GT options out there. Hey, mate, thanks so much for joining us today. And uh, good luck in the next round of uh, Surdic, round two of Surdic. Uh, I don't think we're going to be down there because I think uh, this level levels is going to hurt us again. Just but a quick one, Stephen. Yeah, mate. Just a quick one. There. How's, how's, how's your funding going, mate, for uh, you know the remaining rounds in the South Island? Uh, yeah, we're working pretty hard. I've been on the phone 24-7 flat out. Um, just trying to get some little deals going, but it's pretty hard, obviously, like um, Ronan would know as well. It's hard with everything going on. So, um, yeah, it's just about seeing what we can get together and um, doing our best, really. If we can't do them all, it's not the end of the world. We've got a bigger picture to um, work towards, so we'll just keep trying to pick our little goals and uh, do our own little thing. Well, mate, you're doing the right thing because you're doing the one thing that uh, sponsors love. You're winning. You're standing on the top step. Thanks for giving us your time. Best of luck in the next round. That's Ryan Wood. Uh, won his class at the first round of the uh, South Island Endurance Series last week. You, you mentioned Matthew Payne, Matt. Uh, Matt. What, what's, what am I talking I'm about? Murph. You? Yeah, Murph. My name's Murph. Yeah, I know Murph. Yeah. Hey, um, and I see Scott McLaughlin's come out and said, from what he sees, uh, Matthew Payne's doing the job. And, and Todd Kelly from Kelly Grove Racing says, I think the quote was along the lines... He's never seen anyone adapt so quickly to a supercar uh, than Matthew Payne. That's a big, big call, isn't it? Yeah, I wanted to talk to Todd about that, actually. I um, sent him a message. You. and No, he didn't. He didn't want to talk to anybody, actually. Um, <laughs> and he sort of responded. And yeah. and I don't know what's going on there, but obviously there's, there's things changing there in that team with uh, Stephen Grove taking over fully at the end of the year. And, and uh, he wasn't able to talk about it, which was really disappointing because... Uh, having it from a perspective of someone like Todd, who knows talent, sees talent, um, recognises it, has worked with it, has has supported many along the way, including the likes of Cam Waters, it would have been great just to get his perspective on that. And um, because those statements, as you say, that he he made about uh, Matt were were significant. So if he says that, it's it's not. Uh, and the fact that he's not going to be owning that team before too long, he's not just saying it. He actually really sees something, which is which is no surprise because we're talking about him a lot. Um, the fact that uh, he's winning in Career Cup uh, in his first season on tracks he's never driven, you know, does highlight as we uh, as we've said before, yeah. highlights his his speed and his skill. So, you know, is he going to be in a supercar next year for Kelly Grove? Pretty much, I'm I'm thinking that the odds are, are, yeah. are swinging in the uh, affirmative very very quickly. So, um, oh, that'd be amazing. That would be a, as I said before, a meteoric rise. I don't think that we may have ever seen before. Yeah, but the I speed think, at which I, he has has got to supercar. I think we need another, another young Kiwi in there though. I just like this idea with the, the old, oh, totally. the, the old tin top factory that, that we produce here. Alright chance for you to be a winner right now so you'll have four minutes in the ad break to give us a call on 0800 on, 150811. Make Murph's day and ring in if you want to be in the draw to win one of two copies of the autobiography of Neil Crompton called Best Seat in the House. The simple question is, what's the name of the book? Okay, but oh, you can can't you tell text us, us. I just did. Uh, 0800 oh. 150 You can't text. You've got to call if you want to be in to win right here on SCNZ. We're coming up shortly. We talk EVs. 7.18, Elton Goonan, the head of Motorsport New Zealand, coming shortly to talk about their idea of letting EVs into race meets. 
you know, club sport meets against combustion engines. But the question before the break on 0800 150 811, what's the name of Neil Crompton's autobiography? Michael from Dunedin joins us now. Hey, Michael, what's the name of the book? Um, is it the best seat in the house? Oh, my friend. <laughs> Good guess. Good guess. Uh, what Do you love your and, seat? Hey, and, and Michael, thank you for calling. It's great you're listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks. Mate, Thanks for the answer, Murph. Very good. Hey, do you like your, do you like your supercars, buddy? <laughs> Mate, I love my supercars. Yeah, long history with um, watching Bathurst with Dad since I was a wee kid. So, um, yeah, awesome. no, I absolutely love it. Oh, well, mate, you're, you're the first correct answer here on Race Control. Hey, mate, tell your mates, get her on, listen every week, give us a call because we love a chat, and thanks for being a part of the show, mate. John from Christchurch, uh, what's the name of the book of Neil Crompton's autobiography? Well, I was going to have a guess that it was the best seat in the house. <laughs> Only because you listened to Michael from Dunedin, right? <laughs> oh, I'm, I might have heard something a bit of advance, yes. Do you like your supercars or is there other motorsport that you like? Oh, I certainly do. I certainly do. My daughter thinks I have a wee bit of a problem because um, I've got all but one of Murph's um, die-cast cars for Bathurst. Oh, which one don't you what? have? Oh, which one are you missing? I'm missing the 2010 Pepsi car. Ooh. Oh, for, uh, 2011 Pepsi car? Ah, uh, is yeah. it 2010? Yeah, I can't remember. You, you guys caught me on yeah. the hop. Yeah. I didn't Too expect many. to come Too online many. and actually talk to you, boys. Well, well, we've been <laughs> so excited to actually get through. Well, mate, uh, excited to get through, mate. You can call us anytime, anywhere, all right? Every Thursday between 7 yeah. and 9. Hey, John, thanks for calling, mate. You're in the draw. Joel in Wellington, what's the answer to the question? What's the name of Neil Crompton's autobiography? Yeah, yeah, I'm just going to take a wild guess and say I'm the best seat in the house. <laughs> Mate, you're all, com- <laughs> you're all comedians tonight, aren't you? They you're- are. It's brilliant. <laughs> what sort of motorsport uh, do you like, Joel? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm real into supercars and Formula 1. Ah, uh, F1. What nice. do you, who do you like? Who do you follow on F1? Uh, Yuki Sonoda. Yuki Sonoda. Oh, wow. Wow, Good and Alpha, Alpha yeah. Tori, who was out here in the TRS series last season. Or season before. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. Why? Why? Yeah. Just like him as a person. Did you meet he him? He is. I mean, he he's a character. I mean, he is. He's quite unique, yeah, and he's yeah. uh, he's got a sense of humour. There's no doubt about it. The uh, talking quite to likes of Liam and yeah, Liam and those other guys. They 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 think he's an absolute cack. So it would be. He'd be. Uh, yeah. he'd be good. We might have to try and see if we can get him on on race control, Stephen. That'd be a good laugh. Oh, he's he's a he's a lovely might kid. Might be a bit hard. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Joel, you're in the draw, mate. That we draw it next week. Keep listening to race control. Tell your friends about it, and mate, tell them not to be afraid to ring us because neither of us bite. All right. Yeah, we'll do. Thanks, Thank buddy. Appreciate your thoughts. All right, Doing three, Thanks, three guys in, so we'll give you another chance uh, before 8.30 and after 8.30. Right now, we're going to talk to the boss of Motorsport New Zealand, Elton Goonan. Hey, Elton. Hey, guys. How you doing? Yeah, good, mate. Thanks for being patient. So you released your guidelines, and I've got the press release here, uh, which will enable electric vehicles to compete at motorsport events in New Zealand. Basically, you're saying at this point, club sport events. But the real question is this. Why? Why? Good, good, good question. Um, there's, there's a lot of demand out there for it. Um, there's, there's a lot of a lot of people excited about it. Um, it's it's a it's a coming thing, and it may it may not get to the race race side in anywhere near, near in the near future, but definitely at the club sport level, it's it's, it's going to be something that we've, we've got to embrace. Um, it, and so it may not may not overtake the the combustion vehicles, and I think it's it's going to take a long time to get to get even equal. Um, but it's 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 there and people want it and there's the demand to, to introduce it. 
What are they sort of? So what do they want to do? I mean, what kind of vehicles? I mean, they, these are are they all going to be just uh, as you've got in the release? There, you know, we we are a, a country of of tinkerers. Um, it started a long, long time ago with the likes of the Bruce McLarens of the world building things, and we've you know we've done that, and we're still doing it. And um, yeah. is that is that sort of the area you've got? You, you you're going to have people that are putting together who are smart in their own garages building weird and wonderful machines or, or what, where do you, what's the sort of uh, initial kind of demand that you see? Um, well, the way we have looked aware at it, of. there's kind of, yeah, I mean, there's, there's three kind of six segments that we looked at that we've kind of incorporated and you've got, at the top end, you've got what Hayden's built with his Kainer EV. Um, and, and that's fully compliant to all the FIA regulations, and it's, it's got every, every bell and whistle on it that it can do. Um, and then in the middle, you've got the guys who have your your Leafs and your Priuses and stuff like that, and we've got a number of those, and even some Teslas, and they can go out and just, just take part in club sport events with, it, with their vehicles as they are as a standard vehicle. Um, and we think that's going to be the, the majority of people at the moment, but we have got that small... Sort of segment of the of the sport that are doing those home built specials, and what we need to, to do is, is make sure that when we when we get those guys in, they've, they've taken all the precautions because at the end of the day, um, you know these vehicles are running sort of 50, 60 um, volts worth of with a power, and that can be dangerous. So we need to make sure that we've got safety precautions, and that that's what we've we've kind of tried to aim for with this document is to at least give some some basic guidelines to work for and. As it, as it says in the press release, this is going to evolve. This, this document will evolve as we as we learn, uh, as we understand the parity for competition and stuff, and how they do stack up against a, um, a petrol car. Elson, you say there is demand. How big is the demand, though? Seriously, it's it's say so it's small, but in in the, the two two and a half years I've been with the sport, um, it's been growing quite steadily. And I mean, when I first joined back in the beginning of 2019. There was sort of one or there was, I think there was two guys that were really pushing it. Now I would like to say there's most really um, a dozen to fifteen guys who who are out there actively pushing it to to have their vehicles included um, across the sector across the whole spectrum of cars. And it, it, it is a small number, but um, but there is a there's a, there's a demand for it. And, and you know, as a sport, we need to make sure we're we're kind of. As, as, as far ahead of the curve as we can be and, and accepting these guys and finding a way to get them in. You'll be a bit careful, though, don't you, that oh, there's a couple of things you've got to be a bit careful about. One is, you know, how much uh, resource and effort and stuff you put into this for a, a low amount of return on investment, on time or resource, you know, to how many people are actually going to, you know, um, go out there and use an electric vehicle build one or whatever and can want to compete versus the amount that currently you know are doing it the way that we've become used to you you've got to be careful you don't go and and you know provide too much time and effort and money into this for a very very small return yeah from the sports, from the from the sports perspective yeah yeah no absolutely great absolutely but I mean, we're, we're, we've got the advantage, obviously, we're, we're, we're under the FIA. The FIA have done a lot of this work um, initially when, when Formula E was introduced. Um, so we've been able to pull a lot of those resources um, to, to, to get those learnings. And that's, that's helped us. And that's the, the biggest challenge we've had is, is, is making sure that 
that we've got things to a point where, where it's actually practically deliverable for the clubs as well. And that's why we're encouraging the guys who want to run these EVs at events. You know, they actually have to have to put a bit of bit of work into it as well to work with the clubs and um, and get an understanding of how it is. And, and like I said, it's, it's, we're going to learn all the way through. Um, but I think at the moment we're, we're very very early on. But um, and it's, it's definitely not taking the, the main focus of stuff. But it's just just something we need to make sure we're we're working with and, and, and catering for a, a part of the market. And the, and the biggest uh, concern and issue I would imagine uh, around this is that safety situation, right? With what we know, um, you know, we know that uh, vehicles that you know burn fossil fuel and combustion engines, that kind of stuff. We know uh, what happens when they crash and the potential of, uh, of what can happen. But um, electric vehicles is a whole nother ball game when it comes to safety, safety for the officials, the rescue cure, uh, crews. Um, how you've got to actually deal with a, a situation on a impact and crash with a uh, an EV and the potential for fire and what that means. Obviously, the FIA and Formula E have got you know m- just a massive amount of financial resource to be able to set up very specialist uh, kind of tools and safety around those vehicles. We don't have that here, do we? No, not at the moment. Not at the moment. But what we've what we've done, and, and we've we've worked with Fire and Emergency New Zealand um, to to kind of facilitate some training for the officials that need it. Um, and primarily, it's it's the the initial rescue guys. There's going to be some some courses that Fire and Emergency New Zealand are going to are going to run for us to give these guys the the skills and the knowledge of of how to deal with them. Um, but like I said earlier, we also need to rely on the, the guys who own the cars who who know them a little bit more intimately um, to to understand them. And, I mean, if, if we if we look at the top end of the scale and we look at what WRC are doing next year, um, right at the moment, WRC are actually going around and training all, the, all the, the promoters, rescue crews who are going to be doing events next year to make sure that their guys are skilled up as well. And, and effectively, what we're doing the same thing, but at a, at a smaller scale with um, with fire and emergency. You know, Elton, the biggest thing when it comes to EVs, I don't know if all the officials can wear headgear because you can't hear the damn things, and you don't want to be <laughs> turning your back on them, do you? No, no. But um, I mean, that's that's, that's the bonus. But particularly with the club sport stuff, there's only only one vehicle on the on whether it's a hill climb or a, or a sprinter or anything. Yeah. So you, you get the radio call when it's left, and you can. And <laughs> I was actually out for a walk, walk, walk this, out for a walk this morning, and a leaf drove past me. And it's, it's actually there's a little distinctable um, whistle that it does, and whether it's uh, on purpose or not, but you can you can you can hear it. Um, Mate, the, you're, the you're, not, you're not selling me. You're not selling me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's one of those things. It's, it's, it's like everything new. It's going to take a little bit of time to, to get there. Um, and you know, if you've, if you've seen Haven's Haven's car in, in action, um, and it is it costs a little bit that one. Oh, that costs yeah. a little bit. Well, that we one. Get, we're going to talk it to well, a little st- bit. Stay stay on the the station, mate, because uh, we're going to talk to Hayden in just a moment. Elton, thanks for your time, buddy. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Elton, and uh, go well. Elton Goonan, the head of Motorsport New Zealand. Uh, this is Race Control. It's half past seven on a Thursday evening with Stephen McIver and four time. That's right, four time Bathurst champion Greg Murphy. Only, only just just the four. Uh, quick reminder here: brake or accelerate. The question for you that you can text to us on double eight double three is: Should EV be able to compete with combustion engines.
Should electric vehicles be able to uh, compete with combustion engines? Just text us on double eight double three. That's double eight double three. In the meantime, Hayden Patton's not too far away. And if you would like to win a copy of Neil Crompton's new book, his autobiography called The Best Seat in the House, all you got to do is call us. No texters. We love callers. 0800 That's 0800 Tell us the name of the book. You're in the draw. Back in a minute. This is Race Control with Stephen McIver and Greg Murphy. Time to start us up. But just a little bit quietly being started up. Hayden Patton joins us now, the man behind that Kona EV, of which I have been in and loved every minute of it. Well, I hope you listened to Alison about EVs potentially coming into club sport events. I mean, do you like this? Well, this could be the dumbest question I ever asked. Do you like this idea, Hayden? Yeah, hey, Stephen. Um... I think it's a necessary step. Uh, like with any transition of technology or cars or rules or whatnot, you, you need to start at the bottom. And club sport's a great way to, to see how they go and to see uh, how competitive they can be to allow to, um, I guess, make a bit of a plan for them long term. Where's. Uh, hey, mate. Sorry, let's move here. Hey, um. How's things going with uh, the Kona? Uh, the development process obviously is the is a big one, and and you were kind enough also to to take me for a little spin in that down at uh, Wanaka earlier in the year, and I was uh, suitably blown away. Um, for, since then, that was April. Um, what have you been up to with the car, and and uh, what uh, mods and changes and developments been going on? Yeah, it's uh, certainly come come along with leaps and bounds since then. Um, it's pretty hard to summarise, really. To, to be honest, it was probably a period of two or three months. We were felt like we were almost going backwards in, in the development. We weren't really making the headway we wanted to. And then uh, literally um, in the last probably four tests now, uh, we've made some big gains. And uh, a lot of it's just been purely through gathering data and understanding how this car's working because it's almost completely the opposite way to anything we've worked with before. Um, even the simplest things such as the... The differentials, the chassis, the roll centres, uh, the whole way the car works is just back to front. And that means we've had to adapt and we've had to pretty much test every single sim- you know, um, combination of setups and parts and, and things as we go. And, and now that we've got a bit more of an understanding how that side of things is working, we're able to develop a whole lot more solutions and you know, little things that we put into the car. Uh, for example, we've got a very different throttle pedal in the car now. You know, normally a throttle pedal is just, you know, up or down. Now we've got a throttle pedal that's got to have stages in it and that gives the driver direct feedback to actually what the car can do under different parameters. So we're learning a lot, but um, as I say, the car's come along really well and uh, we've got the chassis working quite well now. Um, now we're having to uh, get the software and, and the management side of things working good. Are you throwing this car into competition in a couple of weeks? Uh, yeah, we've got its uh, first ever event down at the Waimati 50, a, a two-day uh, hill climb. So, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing what it can do. Um, probably don't think it can quite win because it's in rally specs and not max power, but it'll be uh, good to give that for people to see for the first time. Mate, I was I was noting uh, in the news, I think it was last week or the week before last, one of the French manufacturers is saying EVs is going to be where WRC is. I mean, are you in a sort of sideways battle with the manufacturers to produce, you know, the best WRC car, or is it simply going to be the resource just swamps you? 
Oh, look, at the end of the day, I know when to pick my fights, and that's certainly not a fight that I want to pick. <laughs> We're a very, a very small fish in a big pond in, in, in relation to international motorsport, but at the end of the day, I think it's more about us making a statement. Um, we want to make a statement, and there's a lot of uh, a persona around EVs not working in a, in a real motorsport world, and, and we think it can. Um, we know they can be fast. It's, it's a given. We can see that even just by the general road cars. Um, but trying to make it on a loose, make it work on a loose surface rally environment is certainly a different challenge. So if we can showcase that. That's probably a mission accomplished and helps portray our team um, globally in terms of within motorsport. Um, where the WRC has got to go through long term, who knows? You know, at the end of the day, whether we like it or not, it's all got to be aligned with the manufacturers. And obviously, they're going hybrid now. Um, I think that hybrid needs to be developed to be a lot more, um, I guess, practical um, over the coming years. Uh, that was really what I was going to head next. I mean, I um, watched a fair bit of uh, Finland on the weekend because I just sort of sit there and watch the television and with my mouth wide open at what those guys are doing with those cars. And I know you've been there and done that and experienced it, but I, I still, it just takes my breath away watching them and, uh, you know, how fast they're going and the commitment uh, with that. And it was, it was, a, it was a end of an era, wasn't it, on the weekend? Um, the last time that those cars uh, were on a uh, gravel rally. Um, sort of, what does that mean to you? I mean, okay, we're all shifting and moving on and we have to talk about the changes with uh, how they're powered and all that kind of stuff. But but seriously, I mean, how, what does that mean for someone like you who's immersed themselves in the sport and uh, has done WRC and, and been at the top of top rung of rallying uh, to, you know, to know that that's the last time that that type of car is going to run competitively in WRC on a gravel stage? Oh, it's definitely sad to see. I think uh, there's no debate. It's, I think the Group B era of the modern day of rallying was the current generation of rally car. And I remember the, the first day I got in and tested it back in 2016, you know, you got out of the car shaking initially going, oh, right, this thing's <laughs> actually quite fast. So, uh, um, and having the opportunity to drive that car for three years was awesome. This amazing piece of equipment and machinery and um yeah, I think it's, and it's not just that, it's, you know, the whole noise factor, you know, those World Rally cars really screamed. They're a lot higher on the RPM compared to any other World Rally car uh, prior to that, and I, I guess that added to the whole aspect. So, yeah, it's certainly sad, but, um, you know, like anything in life, there's always change, and uh, even though change is sometimes hard to adapt to, I think you'll find this next era of cars will be just as exciting like the hybrid cars. Um, they've still got the combustion motors in them, and the WRC are still going to be driven to the same. They're basically running the same combustion motor. Um, they're going to have a bit more power with the hybrid power boost. Um, they're going to be a little bit heavier and a little bit less aero. But I think once the teams get on top of the development over the first year or two, um, I think people will be surprised how quick this next generation car will still be. So, and so, what is uh, basically the the makeup of the the hybrid system? How how is that all done? Um, do you have any sort of information, understanding on on how that's all connected with the combustion side? Uh, yeah, well, I'm a bit biased, and that's one. I, I, you know, I think it's, it's certainly a small step in the right direction what they're doing, but very small. You know, it is very much a tick box item um, what the WRC is going through now for the next at least three years anyway. And, it's only yep. a very small two, uh, sorry, 3.4 kilowatt hour battery in it, which is good enough for uh, about a five to 600 um, meter power boost in the stage until it recharges again. So it is literally going to be used as a power boost. Um, it doesn't have enough range to be used on full road sections where, in my opinion, is where hybrid 
we've gone down really yeah. well in rally we use electric for all the road sections and driving through the towns and cities and you know it was a good image and then you go to the combustion motor in the stages so a little bit of a missed opportunity there um, and then basically it's all on the back so there's 100 kilos of batteries in the back of the car uh, which is but the power boost is actually powering through the drive shaft to, to actually um, give a boost to all four wheels which is a little bit unique normally if you had the battery yep. and the motor and the generator all in the back you'd expect it just to give a boost to the rear axle but they've devised a way that it's actually boosting all four wheels that 100 kegs is that how you've said they're heavier cars i mean is that a, just 100 kegs heavier than they are or are they or are they making uh they shaving bits off the cars to make them comparable to what they are now i uh, know so they'll, they'll be 100 kilo the minimum weight will be 100 kilos more um so, and they've added a lot of safety, a lot more roll cage bars and things in the cars now. Um, effectively, almost running on a subframe, so all the chassis are much similar now. And then they've got a body shell basically put on top. So um, it's a very different uh, approach. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all pans out. And then, of course, as I say, a little bit less aero, which should make the cars maybe a little bit more um, sideways. Uh, but then now they don't have the electronic diffs either, um, and and, none of, and a few different things on the turbos are a little bit more basic. So they're just trying to simplify some things to keep the cost down. But then of course, then they go add the cost and with the hybrid. So I guess just trying to balance one another out. Yeah. Hey, uh, just going away from rallying for a little bit. How was how was the weekend? Um, doing a bit of circuit racing again at, at Highlands. Yeah, it was a bit of fun actually. Got a, got the call up on a couple of days beforehand by Martin Dippy, and uh, yeah, it was a bit of fun to, to to be driving that car and never driven one of those before. And and uh, of course, anytime you get a steering wheel and a couple of pedals in front of you, then it's always good fun. And uh, I think we'll go, we'll grab another crack at uh, levels next weekend there for round two of the Enduro. So. No, enjoying it. Hey, mate, uh, they've postponed Jack's Ridge, the Repco Battle of Jack's Ridge, till Waitangi weekend. Will we see you uh, back there? Oh, definitely, definitely. Obviously, it's a shame to see a few uh, events moving around at the moment, but it's obviously the way of the world. But, yeah, the people um, organising Jack's Ridge are obviously still fully enthusiastic about it. And Waitangi weekend will be a great weekend for it. And then a month later, we've got our own um, Golden 1200 down in the south. So the two events can sort of... Uh, uh, play off each other a little bit and um, try and make uh, each other or each event as big as possible. That's a man that's thinking. Hayden, always a good, uh, good to have a yarn with you. Uh, we'll leave you alone in your beautiful part of the world and we'll talk again, buddy. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Hayden Padney. Thanks, he's, he's one good cat. Move. hold on your thoughts about EVs. We'll take a wee break. And I know you've got something to talk about EVs in just a moment. And by the way, if you want to, co- to win one of two copies of Neil Crompton's autobiography called The Best Seat in the House, call us on 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. Because you can't text for this competition. You've got to call and have a yarn to us. Okay, so if you want to win one of those two copies at the end of next week's show, then give us a call, 0800 150 811. 10 to 8 on a Thursday with Race Control, Stephen McIver and Greg Murphy. Congratulations to Joel, John and Michael from Dunedin, Christchurch and Wellington. You are in the draw to win a copy of Neil Crompton's book, Best Seat in the House. If you'd like to join the lads to be in the draw at the end of next week, you know the number to call because we're not taking texts on this one. you got to call and have a chat with the lads. 0800 150 811. That's 0800 150 811. And you will go in the draw. Just tell us the name of the book. Now, Murph, can I just... I always hold back on this one. But, you know, EV racing for me, blah. I just cannot... 
cannot I struggle with it completely, right? You you've driven EVs, we've driven that Jaguar F uh, F pace, the F paces. That's the F paces. Oh, uh, the I pace. The I pace. Mm-hmm. I mean, great, cool car to drive, but uh, from motorsport people are primal. They love sound. They love noise because that's mm. part and parcel of it. And when you look at Formula E. Formula E, it's, oh, man, I struggle with it. I know Owen Evans, whose son Mitch Evans drives for Jaguar Racing, loves it. I just, I'm on it, mate. I cannot buy, I don't buy into it. Sorry. but You don't have to apologise to me. You know my thoughts on it. Listen, I, it's, listen it's inevitable there's change, right? There's, yep. uh, it's, it's happening. And we do need to change. And, uh, you know, I get a, I've had a, you know, many of, uh, <laughs> let's say, heated uh, discussions around it on, arguments, on arguments, different on. levels. And, 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 and a lot to do with the road car side of things as well, just because I'm looking at the bigger picture, um, and I, I, I'm i sure I, I don't have all the facts. I don't know everything about it. But there's certain things about it that, um, that just don't stack up, that just doesn't stack up. And it was really interesting because I, I was on the plane uh, the other day, or yesterday, and um, I, I, I subscribed to Motorsport Magazine, which is an um, English magazine. It's a brilliant magazine, Motorsport. Um, you know, great writers in there, great articles, some really cool stuff. And, and in uh, the latest one that I've got is a, uh, an awesome interview with Gordon Murray. Now, Gordon Murray, for those that uh, don't know, is uh, you know, a visionary, absolute visionary. He was the guy that designed the McLaren F1 the you know the the race car road car um, just the most beautiful thing really ahead of its time um, it did uh, win Le Mans in 1995 but it, that wasn't its primary purpose it was a road car you know the huge uh, BMW V12 in the back uh, the most glorious sounding car three seater centre driving position just an awesome thing but he was also the man behind incredibly successful Formula One cars uh, and one that sticks out is the McLaren MP44. That Alan Prost, Elaine Prost and Eaton Senna dominated Formula 1 in 1998. That's just one of many cars. He's now building another uh, building another road car at the moment. Um, it's called the T50, and it's got a V12 and a 3.9 it's beautiful. Liter. It's beautiful. Cosworth. It's beautiful. 12,000 RPM this thing's going to rev to. <laughs> yeah. So anyway... There, there was a question in the in the article. I'm going to read it, read his response because it's it's just really interesting. And this is a guy that we you know that I think everyone would listen to and and trust his opinion on. Um, he was asked, you know, about fossil fuels coming to an end, and 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 some of some people are reluctant to buy electric car right now. How do you see the future of the car industry? So his reply was. Unfortunately, we are having electric cars pushed upon us when they have the wrong battery technology. For electric cars to be truly good, you need two things. You need enough clean energy to plug them into, and you need the next generation of batteries. The energy density is so poor with the current lithium-ion batteries that you're lugging around hundreds of kilos of dead weight. The honest truth is, petrol is just too good. Petroleum is so energy-dense, a typical air-to-fuel mixture in an internal combustion engine is about 15 to 1 so you only carry one unit of petrol and the 15 units of air are just all around you for free with electric you need 9,000 cells half a ton of battery like 
a Tesla, and it's only 15% efficient. You're carrying that weight around all the time. I know you can't go on using petrol forever, but right now electric cars are not a terribly attractive proposition. If we jump forward 30 years, when we're making green energy everywhere and we have batteries with three times the energy density, they start making sense. So right now we're having electric cars forced upon us too early. They're too heavy, some weigh more than two tonnes, and the tyre and brake wear is horrendous. They're simply a stopgap. That's really interesting. They're a stopgap. Hydrogen would be the perfect answer, but it takes so much energy to make hydrogen, and we need to find other ways to make it. Then there's the infrastructure, the storage of high-pressure gas, and blah, blah, blah. At the moment, we're making a litre of hydrogen. uh, Sorry, making a a litre of hydrogen uses more oil than it makes to make a litre of petrol. (laughs) Assuming we can get around all these issues, hydrogen might well be the answer. Um, But so, you know... Just listening, reading that and understanding a little bit more, you know, there's so much complexity, right, around all this. And, you know, I just read what he says, and you've got to take on board a little bit of what he's saying. And I think it's right. It's a stopgap. The way we're doing it at the moment is not going to be the way we're doing it in the future. And, and I wonder where all the stuff we're doing now, where it's all going to end up. Where we're gonna, where we're gonna scrap it all. Here endeth the first lesson, according to Mr. E. V. Greg Murphy, and quite rightly, I think we're all in agreement with Gordon Murray. More on that if you want to talk about it after eight. Stick around. Taylor from Martin thinks he knows the answer to our question. Stay with us on SCNZ. This is Race Control. This is Race Control with Stephen McIver and Greg Murphy. Nice whistling accompaniment, Murph. <laughs> Appreciate that one. Coming your way at 8.30, uh, the Supercars Hall of Famer and Supercars commentator, legend in his in his own lunchtime because he is just that. He is a legend, one of the best, greatest broadcasters you'll ever hear. Neil Crompton mm. coming. He also has a book coming out. His autobiography written by Aaron Noonan is called The Best Seat in the House. We're giving you the chance to be a winner of one of two copies of that at the end of next week's show. But you've got to call us and talk to us if you want to win on 0800 150811. Hey, Taylor from Martin. How are you? I'm very good. How are you guys? Yeah, mate. mate You're great, mate. Mate, we are good. How's life in Martin? Oh, it's 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 okay. It's okay. Watching, um, <laughs> young young Caleb Nato overseas yes. doing us proud. So, yes. Are you working at the moment or you're in level two, aren't you? So you, 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 you're okay, yeah, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. So talk- yeah, no, we're we're all at work. We're, we're safe. Oh yeah, thank you. yeah, lucky. Yeah, okay, you can rub that one in because some of us live in <laughs> Auckland. Mate, talk to me. Uh, the answer to the question: What is the name of Neil Crompton's autobiography, mate? The best seat in the house. Oh, first time and another first time. Boom, just like that. Uh, is it something you'd buy? Oh yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I've got plenty of plenty of books around here. Dick Johnson's book and and. Uh, a few F1 ones around the house. Did, so, you, yeah. did you buy Murph's picture book? He put out a picture book some years ago. It was actually quite <laughs> well, a colourful I don't like picture. to read. <laughs> I can't say I have. Oh. I to look into it. Well, you can't. I mean, the fact of it is they sold out and uh, very hard to come by. <laughs> 
Very hard to come by, so that's okay. Yeah. Mate, there are charity shops around the place. You'd probably find them. And you know what someone said yeah, to me? Actually, someone came up to me not that long ago and said, I found this for two bucks at um, somewhere. Yeah, but that's yeah, a that's good right. sign. A friend of mine is in, deep into this whole charity thing in England, Taylor, and he said, if you find books like that, like Murph's, what was it called, Murph? Oh, My know, Life in Pictures or something like that, <laughs> uh, it's been really successful because there have been so many copies that are available. So oh, it's a really positive okay. sign. Hey, Taylor, you're in the draw. Tell your mates to call us and uh, get in the draw, right, mate? Hey, absolutely. Thank you, guys, very much. You are more than welcome. Thank you, mate. Thanks for listening to Race Control every Thursday, 7 to 9, here on SENZ. It is 8.03. Time to talk bikes, I think. And has Avalon charged her phone? Avalon, have you charged your phone? Have you charged your phone? Oh, No. You can't keep anything quiet around here, can you? She's a very busy. She's a very busy lady. She's very busy. So oh, by yeah. the time she gets to the time that we ring her, she has been working so oh, hard hey, that hang, her phone. Hang on, no, hang on a minute. I texted oh. her earlier in the week and said you're on race control. It'll be after eight. You'd think by now Avalon would have the nous to charge your phone. Now that's not unfair, is it, Av? Well, it's three past eight. <laughs> you're, you're very accurate on your She's, timing. I'll, I'll take have you got your fluffy? Have you got your fluffy slippers on and getting ready for ready for nine eyes? No, not quite. No, it's all going around here. Although I've got um, <laughs> motorbikes and bicycles coming out my ears that I need looking at. Okay. All right, let's 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 talk uh, Cota, Circuit of the Americas, the weekend MotoGP. I was reading Mark Marquez's victory eight years apart, 2013 and 2021. But isn't it nice to finally have Marquez back on the on the podium? It sure is. I'm a huge Marquez fan. He's very polarizing. People either like him or they don't. And I'm a huge fan of his riding. I think um, he's one of those riders who just puts it all on the line. And um, he doesn't. He never accepts second. You know, he um, if there's a win available, he's going to go for it. So um, to see him back to winning ways is fantastic, especially at a circuit like Coda. Did you see any of the action and how bumpy the track was? Like oh. it was horrendous. It was just so physical for those riders, wasn't it? I, I was absolutely blown away. I mean, they started talking about it pretty early on in the piece, uh, on you know first first day of practice. And uh, and then to see the bikes and obviously the the camera work and the the vision is so spectacular. But oh my goodness, some of those bumps were just incredible. I mean, uh, how did, I'm surprised there wasn't more crashes in the MotoGP race. It was just was that because they obviously had to pull it back so much in certain areas to make sure that they stayed on the bike. It, I mean, what a nightmare for the suspension guys. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um... Yeah, it, does, it makes it really hard because you come in and you try and give feedback about what the bike's doing, but all you want to do is complain because it's just so horrible over the bumps and it makes it really hard to actually find a good setup to feel what the bike is doing beyond moving around over those bumps. And yeah, there weren't as many crashes. There were some really close calls like Juan Mir and uh, Jack Miller, man, but they, they were on Rodeo for, yeah, for a few times. But um. Alexis Fabio was the one who seemed to suffer. He went down four times over the weekend, including in the race, um, pretty much every time blaming it on the bump. So, um, yeah, I think it did take a bit of riding to the conditions, which is um, just not what you normally see in MotoGP. And just so impressive for Marquez, who's coming back from that injury and still Mm. struggling physically, which he's been open about, to then go well at such a physical track. Um, Yeah, very impressive, but also quite interesting. I think that's just... 
Boo Marquez is once he's got that bit between his teeth, he's away. I, I, I like Kota just as a track, full stop, because I think it's pretty. And there's lots of colours and that big that big viewing <laughs> and that big, that big, that big viewing viewing tower. Hey, by the way, someone just texted me, a, a Murph, a, uh, they said there is a copy. I've got a copy of Burger, and it's got a likeness of Lightning McQueen on the front. It's got called Go Murph, Go Kart to V8 Supercar. Does that ring a bell? That's not the book, is it? Absolutely. No, I did that a long time ago. There was a school in, in Hamilton, actually, um, wanted to do a fundraiser, and for some reason they chose to uh, do this book around uh, me. And, and But some people was very, very, yeah, very cool. Do you know, who sent, me the, do you know who sent me the picture? No. Elton Goonan, the oh, boss God, of Motorsport New Zealand. <laughs> hey, uh, the one, yeah, I know, I know. Can we get back to what we were talking yeah, about? Yeah, sorry. Well, it was just part of the conversation. Oh, there'll be a bit of Stephen, though. Uh, some pretty yeah, it would, well, oh. probably about the only book you'd be able to read. Anyway, wow. hey, I wanted to I wanted to go and delve a little bit deeper into the big issue, the big probably the bigger talking point, even bigger than Marquez on the weekend was what was going on in Moto Moto Three, and that in what well, stopped twice the Moto Three race, uh, red flag twice, but the second crash down the back straight was 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 absolutely terrifying, and it's it's caused. Uh, everyone just sit up again and take notice because, I mean, quite easily that could have ended up being um, another uh, moment that we needed to stop and take a moment of silence um, for someone, you know, losing their life. And we've we've had a little bit of that lately um, with Vignales losing his life in the Supersport 300 race. Just what's your take on, on and ideas on what needs to be done? Obviously, they're starting to really think about that. Um, there was a suspension for two races for someone. Um, you know, the way, the risks that those guys are taking... On those on those bikes to try and win races and, and get positions, it, it, it has got out of control, as a lot of people are saying. Yeah, yeah, I really think it has, um, and I think it was a great call to finally penalise someone for it. I I honestly think that riders in those smaller classes have been getting away with um, what's dirty riding. To be honest, it's not fair and it's not just an aggressive overtake. Um, a lot of the time, it is dirty. And particularly when it's yep. not a, in a battle for the lead, they get away with it because um, it's not on TV and it's not seen. And, um, yeah, it has just got to the point now where it's dangerous. And, and I think that move um, at Coda was dangerous. And, yeah, as you say, those riders are so lucky not to lose their life or to not even be injured. That was the incredible thing, to see them all get up and walk away. They didn't even go to the medical centre. They all sort of headed back to their pit box and... Um, yeah, but that's just fake. That's fake. That's that is that's the that's the epitome of luck, right? Because it it, it yeah. just it doesn't have to end out <laughs> yeah. that way. Yeah, the, the interesting oh, thing about this, no. though, you know, Ab, the interesting thing about this this incident, right, uh, the, the Tech 3 team, of which the guy Onku was writing for, didn't lodge an appeal. They knew straight away what had gone on. And it, well, that, I think it'd be very wrong. I think mean, they, they would make them even look even worse if they were going to to try and appeal a situation like that. When, but it, but it's, when, it's when they know it's significant Sorry. though that no, you don't apologise, man. It's all right. We do it all the time. It's significant though that they've actually done a two race ban because it's sending a pretty strong message straight away. Considering we lost that young fifteen year old supersport racer Dean Berta Vinales at Hereth so, uh, last week. So just quickly. Sorry, because I know you want to change subject, but but if, I mean the the age, you know, surely there needs to be a, a look at what age you should be allowed to go and race in these in world championship events. It should be imp- increased. 
Do you think? Do you think so? Do you think sixteen is too young? It is older than it used to be. It used to be fifteen, um, and they have uh, already moved it up to sixteen. It's the tough call because these kids have been racing since they're seven or eight years old, and um, honestly, by the time they're fourteen over there, they're on six hundreds racing those big circuits on on exact six hundred super sport bike mm. like what I race here. So they're very capable wee riders. Um, probably pass them that they don't know the risks they're taking. And, mm. yeah, honestly, I probably don't talk about it a heap, but I went back and raced in the 300 World Super Sport Championship when I was oh, 24 or 25, and it was so scary. <laughs> um, and I always say to the kids here, you know, because they complain about someone being aggressive here, and I'm like... You have no idea. The no minute you ride out mm. on track in that 300 World Super Sport class, you're being run off the track. Um, you even leaving pit lane on, they go ridiculous things like they tow you around for a whole lap and then they'll sit up right in the middle of the corner just to block you and uh, qualifying and just to ruin your qualifying lap. Um, and you know, I wasn't racing mm. around as one of the front runners. I was sort of in in the mid to back of the pack, um, struggling with, with the bike and all sorts of things. And so the riders, it doesn't mean, mean anything to them. Uh, you're just another competitor and they'll do anything they can to stay in front of you, to hold you up, to run you off the track. So, yeah, I think that probably um, with a bit of maturity, they would um, ride a bit safer, I guess, and just understand the consequences of uh, mm. some of those move manoeuvres that become silly. I think Onku, um, in this instance, he, he was crying in the pits, which um, he is a tough wee rider, and you just don't see that from, from him. He's on a fifth of Foglu top rack squad, so um, he knew he knew what he had done. He knew that it had mucked up there, uh, and, yeah, uh, yeah he's going to have to take that two-race ban. Interestingly, though, his teammate, who was caught up in the crashes leading the World Championship, uh, Pedro Acosta, so uh, the team had... Yeah, both ends of the spectrum um, in that crash, so that would have been pretty tough for them. But, yeah, I think also the other thing I have to say is the bikes have changed so much now. Um, like the two-stroke ever, two-strokes were just a lot harder to ride, and uh, you yeah. didn't see these massive packs of 20 riders being able to wring the absolute most out of the bike, um, which yeah. you've seen particularly in the 300 class and, and in Moto3 now, so... Yeah, it just the four strokes are easier to ride and more people can ride them faster, which um, I'm not sure what can really be done there, but um, yeah, other than bringing that two strokes, which some of yeah. us wouldn't complain about. But. Yeah, but, oh, but, yeah, but, but, but attitude but change. Forward. Yeah, but let's, let's be honest, the authorities yeah. are going to have a good hard think about this. And you've, you've said yep. the key word here, you said the key thing here bikes have changed, you know, they're different to ride, but they're so powerful. And, and, and they may be racing them since Adam was a cowboy and they're only 15 or 16, but. You know, uh, you see red mist, and you know what, young ki- young kids like. You know, you like, to, they 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 see the mist and they go right, and and but they've allowed it to manifest. Yes, they've allowed correct. It to manifest and, into and it's this. got to stop yeah. for because yeah. it's because as all sports people know, they are the meat in the sandwich. They're the entertainment, and you know, if you don't play the game, you know what happens. Let's move on, shall we? Something a little bit more positive. Uh, World Superbikes, and uh, uh, wow, yeah, we know what's going on there because you've already <laughs> mentioned top rack. You got you snuck your your, your man crush in there. And he's he's leading ahead of Ray, who had an up and down weekend. But this Laurie Baz, who's jumped back in, and his battle with Bautista over the weekend, that was epic. Wasn't it just? It really surprised me to see Laurie Baz um, up there battling well, within the, well inside the top ten. In fact, battling for podium positions. Um, like, I know he's a great rider, been around for a long time, particularly in 
European landlords who like Jamie Kip and now moved to America pretty much because he couldn't secure competitive machinery to stay in World Superbike and then to come back and put um, put in that those really impressive performances uh, was awesome to see, absolutely awesome. It'll be interesting to see where he ends up next year now. Um, but yes, probably a wee bit aggressive with our team Sylvia. <laughs> did he, I did he, he did I haven't caught up. Did, sorry, did he Did he get a penalty he, or not? Yeah, he did. So the last lap... Um, we tapped him. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah, he, he did kind of... He hit oh, about it was a tap. Fell off, so. It was a tap. <laughs> You know, Bautista, that was that was that was almost like a an Academy this is, Award winner. This is from this is from yeah, the here expert. Here, here we go. It was a here tap. It was a tap. I want that. Mm. Hey, I want that an opinion. They're like a bum. We've all got one. So can we just back I'll off? I tell you what, though, Ev, could you believe um, Top Rack uh, doing the job, getting it done? I mean, it was it was just amazing to see those three. Uh, out, out the front the way they were dominating, um, you know, Jonathan Ray, Top Rack and um, Redding, Scott Redding, the three of them were just, just unbelievable. I mean, it was I was on the edge of my seat, and I think it was probably the first time this year that I've really been on the edge of my seat watching, watching Superbikes. Oh, that's fantastic here because, yeah, the, the, it's just heated up, hasn't it? And um, yeah. that battle between Heat is the Ray word. and Top Rack is just, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's been so good to see those two battling it out all year. And now when Reading joins the fun and so it does, it really does make it a lot more exciting and, and very heated. Three really different riders, different styles, different bikes. Mm. Um, so you just don't know what's going to happen there. And then when something like uh, Top Rack Spender falls off and causes them to crash it, wow, there's just so much going on. So much <laughs> going on at the front end of these bikes, eh? The front ends. It's all about the front end. Uh, that next round is Argentina, the 15th, 16th, you're and 17th. You're cutting Avalon off there, No, Steve. no, I'm not. Back the truck up, pal. Uh, you've got to quickly chat about... Uh, oh, it's all right, I've moved Rihanna. Rihanna's going to... We'll talk to Rihanna a little bit later on. It's okay, no drama. I know you wanted to talk lots to Avalon tonight. Uh, British Superbikes is also in a couple of weeks' time. Tight old series. O'Halloran really mucked it up, falling off a bit at the weekend. But uh, what's going on with some of the Kiwis over there, Av? Wow, they've had um, a very up-and-down season, to be honest. We've had Damo Rees and Shane Richardson both riding in the Superstock 1000 class, a super-duper competitive class, uh, really tough. It's one of those categories where, you know, BSB is the premier category, but um, that feeder class, the Stock 1000, is probably more competitive. So to actually to come through that class and secure a seat in BSB is... Uh, you know, that that's a massive obstacle. So um, it's been all go there. Shane had a pretty rough start to the season with some crashes and has managed to climb his way back. Um, he's steadily making progress. And at the weekend at Donington Park, he qualified in second uh, and finished the race in fourth. So just missed out on the podium, um, which was a huge effort. He's in a pretty uh, low-key privateer team, um, works full-time and and uh, still funding a lot of the racing himself. So massive effort from him to just about get on the podium there. And we've also had Damo Rees racing in that stock 1,000 class. Um, I know you guys have spoken to Damo, but he's very determined, very driven. And he was kind of just coming right um, until he had a huge crash. I think it was actually, no, it wasn't Donington. I think it was Snetterton. 
uh, which left them very broken. Uh, a week in hospital with the COVID restrictions in the UK, not allowing visitors or anything. He's had an operation on his arm and... Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure um, if Damo's coming back at the end of the year. I, I kind of hope so for his sake that he can uh, recover from those injuries, uh, like a few spinal fractures and that sort of thing as well. So he's pretty banged up. So if he can recover Man. from those injuries and get a bit of riding here at home over summer would would be awesome. But um, I'm yet to see if he's to secure a spot in MIQ. So... You'll yeah. know that's a big obstacle for everyone, isn't it? <laughs> All right. Yeah, we've, got, we've got to fly now, OK? We're going to have to fly. Uh, but yeah. it, never I, enough time that long. To some more, I see these young girls taking the world, taking New Zealand by storm. So Ex- exactly, awesome. right? Just yeah. like a young girl yeah. like yourself. Yeah. All right. Go uh, <laughs> go get Jake to clean your MTF finance Kawasaki. Do something constructive, all right? <laughs> Okay, well. <laughs> All right, Avalon Biddle, our weekly, Thanks, heaps, our weekly dose of two wheels here on SENZ Race Control. 0800-150811. If you want to win a copy of uh, Neil Crompton's book, The Best Seat in the House, you've got to call us to enter the draw. It's that simple. 0800-150811. And tell us the name of the book. And thanks, uh, Paul, for texting in on 8833. Greg, I have your book. Enjoyable, thanks. Stephen is a complete tit. Uh, back in a moment here on Race Control. <laughs> 8.24 on a Thursday night with Race Control. Stephen McIver, four times Bathurst champion, Greg Murphy. In the house, wherever your house is. Michael, where is your house? Uh, Christchurch. Awesome, mate. Well, you rang up on 0800 to answer the question. What is the name of Neil Cromlin's autobiography? It is... The Best Seat in the House. Oh, man. This, this brilliant. Fun. Brilliant, mate. Would you buy a copy of that? I wouldn't do You would or wouldn't? <laughs> He would. I he would. would. Absolutely would. Absolutely. What do you like about Crombo? Do you love, do you like, yeah, do you love Crombo's uh, commentary? Absolutely, absolutely. It's. Uh, I've been listening to him since way back when uh, I first got into V8s around 97 when uh, Greg Murphy was racing for the Holden Racing Team. So That's a long time. Big fan of yours, Murph. Wow. That, that is a long time ago, Mike, we realise, eh? A long time ago. I, I, Dude, I won't tell Murph how old I was then because he might be a little... No, 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 do, anyway. do, do. <laughs> tell, tell, how old were you then? How old were you then? Oh, about eight or nine. <laughs> oh, how, thanks, Michael. How old do you think? It's been lovely talking to you. Bye-bye. You're not in the draw. <laughs> hey, Michael, tell your mates to listen to Race Control and give us a call any time, OK? We'd love to have a yarn. Will do. All right, mate, you're in the Thanks, draw. Mate. Congratulations. One of two copies of uh, Neil Crompton's book, uh, The Best Seat in the House. You can ring us uh, still on 0800 and just ring us and talk. Tell us the answer, and you are in the draw. It is 8.25. The man himself, Crompo, is next here on Race Control. Great voice of Supercars Hall of Famer Neil Crompton, who has a book coming out shortly, an autobiography written by Aaron Noonan called The Best Seat in the House. And the great man at 8.30 here on Race Control joins us right now. Neil, thanks for giving us your time, mate. G'day, Steve. G'day, Murph. How are you? We are good. We are very good. Congratulations on an autobiography. But can I just say quickly, it's nice to have you back after your, your wee health scare with uh, prostate. I'm an ambassador for the Prostate Cancer Foundation here in New Zealand, and it's a, uh, it's a beatable one, and we're just so happy you're back in the seat. It was so good to see you with the e-racing, mate. 
Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, it's uh, nice to be vertical again. It wasn't a good time and um, certainly a bit frustrating uh, for someone that's been active uh, flat to the boards for the majority of his life. So uh, I consider it to be a pit stop and um, <laughs> like those pit stops that we've both been through um, over the years where they, they dive you in, start ripping bits off and then send you out in a hurry with a bit of tape on, that's me. Well, it's good to have you back, mate. You, um, you you just said before about uh, how you run flat chat all the time, and you do, mate. I, I take my hat off to you in respect of uh, how hard and uh, how committed you are in, in so many different facets of the sport and also in uh, production of um, uh, so many different things around motorsport as well. I mean, the, the amount of work you do and the team that you've got around you that that put together so much different content for um, so many different things and the work that you do and in interviewing and travelling around the world, not so much at the moment, but the uh, the stuff that you've created is just phenomenal. I, I, I want to know, uh, how long did Aaron Noonan um, propose this little project and how long before you said yes? Uh, well, first of all, thank you, Murph, for the little wrap. You can do my PR in future, so thank you for that. Um, <laughs> the... Um, the truth of the matter is that Noonan has been hassling me for a while and I've been flat batting him saying, no, nah, not interested, don't want to know, go away, you're a pest, which he is. And um, I haven't really kind of engaged in the process at all. He's a mate, by the way, everybody, so please don't be offended, New Zealand, yeah. I'm slagging the guy who co-authored my book. Um, but he's um, he's a persistent little devil and... Uh, Eventually, uh, I took another couple of calls from the publisher and from a, from a management company that said, you really ought to do it. So I eventually succumbed to the notion. And the truth of the matter is that I didn't really think it would be terribly interesting or anybody would want to read it. But mm-hmm. it turns out, well, I, I, I believe there might be three sold in New Zealand because I heard on the grapevine that you guys are going to give away a couple. So that's two. <laughs> and uh, my old Well, they're free. Steve they're they're free. We're not paying for them. So that's three. That's, that's three. <laughs> well, they're give At least they're out there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so uh, he eventually broke through, and we, you know, we decided to press on and do it. And uh, so it was a long, slow burn. I can tell you, it was uh, it was probably sort of twelve months of nagging on his part, and then I ummed and ahed for a while. I and mean, then it took quite a long time to actually put the damn thing together. What did you enjoy most about it? Was it just sitting back and remembering? Oh, I'd forgotten about that. Oh, I must tell this story. Well, as Murph will tell you, um, Aaron's very good at understanding the order of everything in the sport. He's he's really mm. the go-to guy for all the facts and figures that support motorsport, probably in New Zealand as well. So he's got a tremendous knowledge. He's actually got a very strong business that's built around understanding the history of the sport. So, you know, f- for those of us that have participated in it, we've got all the broad blocks of, yeah, I kind of did that in this year and I wore that suit or I drove for that team or I crashed into that guy, I wore that... Um, fence, whatever the case may be, but but the the really dirty detail kind of belongs to the people who've got a lot more knowledge and passion. So thankfully he was able to put it all in some sort of an order because I was, oh, you know this happened or that happened. He goes, no mate, you've got it wrong. You've got the you've got the years round the wrong way or whatever the case may be. So um, it was an interesting process to just lay it all bare and and it probably made me stop and think. To begin with, you you tend to skim the approach to it. But the more I got into it, uh, the more I began to enjoy it. And um, and it's a bit cathartic in a sense, and particularly given that it, mm. that it then hit at the exact time that I got unwell. So um, it became a handy distraction uh, 
from the from the cancer problem that I had uh, to some extent, and uh, you know, sort of sat down and unpacked it. But I I did enjoy recalling certain things that were foggy, and then we build a bit more detail. And I'd ring mum, or I'd ring an old teammate, or I'd try and remember how to put all the blocks back together, and hopefully made something that won't put people to sleep. <laughs> well, I, I, it's definitely not going to put people to sleep. And what I what I love about this, and I, I can't wait to to read it, is that you know it, it, it's the stuff that you were so passionate and immersed in in your in your racing side of things that that many people um, that maybe have only got to know you or, or un, you know or listened to you over the last maybe five, ten, fifteen years won't understand or realise the things that you did and you chased uh, around the world and, and your American escapades. Uh, are one because we, you and I, have a love with American racing and IndyCar and those kinds of things, and 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 I have no doubt that there's, and I hope that there's some some, you know, detail in there around when you went touring car racing over there and your relationship with Steve Horn and the and the, the time you spent around IndyCar and your dream to actually race IndyCar. You're very much so. I'm hugely passionate about it, and I'm still connected to it because I'm still doing a little bit of work in the background here and there on it. So. I, I love it. I've always loved it. Um, and I was lucky enough, as you well know, Greg, to go and drive to Steve, who has been a great mentor and friend uh, and, a, and a wonderful team leader uh, that I got to work with. So uh, I spent a chunk of 96, all of 97 and a chunk of 98 over there with um, the Tasman Motorsports Group, um, you know, which ultimately you, was the name you gave your team here locally at one point. And, uh, and that was great. But many friends over there and... and um, I think the first time that I ever went and saw cars at Indy would have been in the late 80s or early 90s, and I was driving a Formula Hold before you came along, and I took my then engineer with me who who had worked in the industry over there, and we stood down inside the Turn 1 uh, snake pit, they call it, um, on the run into the first corner down at Indy there and watched... It was Michael Andretti, ironically, that arrived, and I've since had a conversation with him about it, and I just could not believe the velocity of this racing car. And this is in the pre-Senna accident era when the cockpit sides of the cars were lower. So you could see the driver and you could see him working the wheel. And yeah, as you know, we listen for when people lift off or when they brake or the way in which they're treating the throttle and driving the car. And I'm thinking, okay, lift, 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 lift. And he didn't. And he just howled into the first corner. You know, the a- average lap speed at that point is 235-odd miles an hour back in that cast era. Um, you know, convert that into straight line speeds on the main straight. You're talking 400 kilometres an hour. And I could see, and I thought to myself, oh, my goodness. And then I could see his hands on the wheel. And then I realised that it's not that kind of lazy left turn that some people think oval track racing is. He was chasing the car. It was a riot about from underneath him and whacked the wall. And it blew me away. My hair stood up and I went, you know, wow. And then obviously we've seen him at road racing and street course events and they're pretty phenomenal things. I mean, it's so cool that, you know, you've now got McLaughlin over there and there's been a string of people from this part of the world that have had an involvement. So, yeah, I, I love it. And there was a big part of my life and lots of friends and, uh, you got to have a speed in an Indy Lights car. I, I did it once, uh, one stage as well, and, and I just thoroughly loved the whole US experience. And in many respects, would love to have stayed there if I could have. Neil, you, you're, you, you, for me, from broadcaster to broadcaster, you're an incredibly talented broadcaster and, and a gentleman, at, uh, which is which is can be a rarity in this game. But were you a gentleman as a race car driver? <laughs> 
ask Gregory, I would have run into him at least once or twice and he would have wanted to get out and flatten me. So, I, think uh, it was, I think it was round the other always. way, mate. <laughs> not always. As young Gregory will tell you, there are times when those of us that have been fortunate enough to race a car don't always behave as though you'd like to teach your children to behave. So... Um, that's all sport, though. It's all part of the passion. It's part of what makes it entertaining and interesting, and you've got to have that kind of passion and care and personality. So um, um, you know, I, I try to conduct myself as intelligently as I possibly can um, in the media sphere and, and in the industry we work with, and I guess the only way you can measure whether you've got it vaguely right is whether you've been able to hang around in it, and I've certainly been able to do that, so hopefully I haven't offended too many people along the way. But as a driver, sometimes you just genuinely do make mistakes, and uh, you live to regret them or you go and apologise when you put your hand up. And there's other times where you end up actually in an in aggressive fight, truth be told. So um, I'm sure that, again, along the way, there's, there's probably been a few things that you may have rewritten in your life that you know you, you prefer to do differently. And I'm sure Murph will tell you exactly the same stories. It's, it's, but it's part of sport. You know, and anybody that doesn't care or want to fight for their corner is probably not going to be competitive. If you... Have you sort of uh, seriously, maybe maybe it's it's talked about in the book, I'm not sure, but have you seriously uh, sat there for a moment or, or talked to Aaron or someone about the fact that, you know, you raced in the top echelon in a Australasian motorsport and in the biggest category, um, you know, that we've that we've ever had at, at the top level and and then you've gone and, you know, and you did have a broadcasting sort of uh, vibe there and bits and pieces, but then you've gone and, and created this space where you are equally, and, and no disrespect, but in modern last 10, 15 years, more well-known for the, the incredible work you've done in, in broadcasting. I mean, that's a, I mean, that's a monumentous achievement to be at the top of the game in, 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 in two totally different parts of the business. It's pretty amazing. Have you have you sat there and really thought about that? Uh, it's, it's, it's a really interesting point, Murph, and it probably goes to that earlier question that, um, that you guys were posing to me, that, that part of the process of doing the book makes you kind of stop and think that. I mean, you know exactly the life that we lead. It's, we're busy, we're engaged. One week leads to another month, to another year, to another season, and it all just becomes a high-speed blur to an extent. So... We're not good at taking pause and stopping and thinking about where we've no. been and what we've been doing. So one of the things that's been really good, I guess, in some respects, is to stand back and look at that um, from a, a slightly higher viewpoint. So I am grateful that, that those opportunities have arisen. And But I, there's no secret source. Um, I, I've just, you know, just thrown myself at the task. I think it starts, and people have asked from time to time, well, how do you do that or why have you done that or what, you know, how could I try and replicate it? I don't really have a logical answer other than that despite all the frustrations that you have in a business like this from time to time, underlying you need to love it. And from a very early age, it was more than love. It was really an obsession with everything to do with car racing. So it's a very short step for me whether you drive one to whatever abilities and extent you've got whether you talk about one or explain the nuances or enjoy the company of people that want to know more about it, it's kind of all the same thing for me. So I've, it wasn't like I got up one morning and said, oh, I want to go after doing television or any of that stuff. It just happened, really. And I think that the 
your peers recognise whether or not it comes from the heart or whether you're trying to manufacture those those um, credentials. So, uh, you know, I've just been lucky in that, you know, I've had that passion. I've been able to exercise it. I love talking about it. Um, I, I love the joy and the theatre and the highs and the lows of motorsport and, and particularly enjoy it if you can share things where you'll be with a, either might be just an individual as a friend or it might be a group of people, it might be an audience in radio or television and you can just share things that they didn't necessarily know about the person or the car or the performance of them or some other thing. And so it's just gratifying when you hear someone literally say, oh, I didn't know that, that's really interesting. So you kind of get that little bit of tick and juice from it and that's that's what keeps me going. But I um, certainly feel privileged that whether it's by design or serendipitous accident, I don't know, but somewhere along the line I've managed to, to stay in it and fortunately able to, to prolong the career in it. And I'm, you know, it scares me to stop and think about my age and how long I've been in and out of that paddock. But other than the trip to the US, I've fundamentally been in the what we now describe as the supercars paddocks permanently since 1985. <laughs> There'll be a lot of people listening that go, Jesus, when was that? It was a long time ago. No, it's <laughs> and, um... made, it's, made it's nothing, and the privilege the privilege is all ours. Neil Crompton, the best of luck uh, with that book. We're going to give away two copies of it next week, so uh, thanks for sharing some stories with us, mate, and uh, we'll talk again. We appreciate your time. Can't wait, can't wait to see you again in face-to-face, mate, and catch up. 100%. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate the chat. See you soon. Appreciate that. Neil Crompton, the book is the best seat in the house. It's 844. It that was be. Neil Crompton. If you, want a, if you want a copy of that, 0800-150-811. Call us. Can't text us. Call us and go in the draw. Rihanna O'Meara Hunt is next on Race Control. That's right, it's at 8.48 here on Race Control. Brake or accelerate, and you've all put the brakes on the fact that EVs should be allowed to race against combustion engines. Thanks for all those hundreds of texts that have come in, but it's all a brake on that one. 0800 150 if you want to be in to win the book or one of two copies of Neil Cromer's The Best Seat in the House. Uh, ben from Timaru's on the line. G'day, Ben. How's it going? Yeah, good, mate. How are you? Yeah, great, thank you. Uh, we'd like to know the answer to the question, please. Name of the book? Oh, Severs. Um, <laughs> I just said it. <laughs> I, I, okay, okay. It's something to do with the seat. Something to do with the seat, seat and, and a house. house. Yeah, the best seat in the house. There you go. Oh, yeah, hey, that'll do. That'll do. Go Mate, on, did you freeze up? Did you have, like, radio freeze? <laughs> Yeah, live radio with a couple of legends, you know what it's like. <laughs> oh, well, one legend, and apparently I'm a tit, according to Paul, so there yeah, you well. go. Oh, thank. Hey, Ben, appreciate the call, mate. You're in the draw. Keep listening and tell your awesome, mates to call us next week, yeah. mate. Thanks, mate. Awesome. Cheers. <laughs> Good on you. Froze. We gave him the number. All righty. The, the best bars Twitter 86 championship is just piling up with talent. And joining yep. the Heart of Racing uh, team is... Rihanna O'Meara Hunt. We've spoken to Rihanna on Sky Speed on Sky when she was karting. Well, this very hot carter on the track is into the uh, 86s. Hey, Rihanna, how are you? Good. How are you guys? Mate, we Great. are good. Congratulations. Uh, I know you haven't been able to get overseas to, to further your karting European dream. So how big is this challenge for you? Oh, you know, it's um, it's a pretty big challenge. Um, I'm so lucky to do it alongside of the Heart of Racing and International Motorsports, so I'm really excited for the new chapter that's ahead. How did it, how did it come around? Was it, was it a bit of a shock? Who, who sort of rang you, or how did it all come together? Um, 
Um, so I had um, some people from Toyota ring me, um, and then they got me in contact with International Motorsport, and I went up to Auckland for a meeting, um, and they kind of just laid out on the table what was what was going on and asked if I'd love, like to join. So it's a completely different breed to what you're used to. Uh, you've had a run in the 86. What did you make of it? It was really fun. Obviously a lot to learn coming straight from go-karting and having no car experience, but it was such a good experience with everyone around me. Um, there's obviously still a lot to learn. Um, and... Um, Sorry, brain freeze. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Um, You're right. Um, there's still a lot to learn, and I'm really looking forward to um, all the new tracks and the new challenges. The um, have you, I'm sure you've had a, a, a think about it, but uh, you know this is definitely going to be the most uh, amazing, most competitive, incredible season of TR86 that we've had to date. I'm a huge fan of the class. I think it is just such an awesome class, being a one-make category. But, I mean, man, you have uh, stepped into a year that is going to be such a learning curve every single moment. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be a massive field. And I think having um, three or four girls in the field is going to be awesome as yeah. well. Um, I see that um, in the past couple of years, they haven't had many girls or any girls at all. Um, so it's going to be definitely just a massive learning curve. I think over half the field is rookies. So um, I think it's a good year to step into it. You and Chelsea Herbert can gang up on the boys. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, all right. Um, so what's the, just quickly, in your early hit out, what's the biggest learning curve you're finding? Um, just how the car handles. It's so different to drive the um, weight of it and like just trying to get it around the corners. Obviously it sounds kind of stupid, but it's just so different to go-karts. It's so much heavier. Well, it's, it's look, you, you, as Murph said, you're coming into an incredibly exciting season and we're excited, so good. To, excited to see you on board with the Harder Racing Team and also the, the good team at, at um, International Motorsports. International. So, yeah, I know, I know. Rihanna, thanks for giving us your time tonight. Best of luck. We look forward to seeing you around the tracks. See you around the tracks. Awesome. See you guys there. Thank you. Rihanna O'Meara Hunt driving one of the heart of racing Toyota 86s in the Best Bars Toyota 86 Championship. It's going to be an absolute ripper move. Although uh, I hope people can still understand what Nicholas Kayo from Toyota New Zealand can say. Because he texted me and said, it is unbelievable. Unbelievable we have all these women here. And I came back and said, yes, it is magnifique. Magnifique it is. Hey, Liam okay, Lawson. Big, you're right. Okay. We've got, better, we've, got, we've got things to talk about. Yeah, I know. We've got about two and a half minutes to talk about them. Liam Lawson uh, gets the nod to be Alpha Tori's uh, FP1 driver next year when they take rookies on, plus he gets the Abu Dhabi uh, end-of-season test. That's really exciting. Yeah, that's mega. Absolutely mega. Uh, huge congratulations. And, I mean, that was the goal. That's uh, where he wants to be, driving F1, and this is the beginning of that process to end up in a, in a full-time seat. So cannot wait for that. But this weekend he has to uh, get the DTM title, let's hope. Fingers wow, crossed. This, Fingers this crossed. Is He's huge, going for right? the DTM This title. is huge. This it's is massive. Norris, uh, Norris ring, I think it's called. Norris ring. Yeah, 2.3 Ks of, of street circuit in Nuremberg. This is it's a, Oh, wow. It's been around for decades, this place. But it's it's quite unusual, tiny little racetrack. This weekend, though, is quite a special one for us Kiwis because uh, Nick Cassidy, Yay. Nick Cassidy, another fan. Oh, I'm a big fan of his. 
Uh, another uh, amazing race car driver doing Formula E this year. Hasn't spent a lot of time in, in proper race cars, as he says, um, <laughs> this year. But he is going to be joining Liam um, alongside Liam at uh, AF Corsa because Alex uh, Albon is off on F1 duties in Turkey. So two Kiwis driving for AlphaTauri and Red Bull at the final of the DTM Championship. That couldn't be a better backup for Liam going into this weekend. Um, I'm, I'm so excited about it, and I, I quickly was trying to get hold of Nick and get him to come on the show tonight, but we, we will get him on next week and yep. have a chat to him because it'll be uh, great to um, get his take on the weekend and hopefully celebrate maybe a championship, fingers crossed, uh, for Liam. But um, he couldn't have a, a better bloke watching his back, I think, this weekend uh, in yep. the finale. It's a close championship. He has the lead at the moment. Uh, so let's uh, let's all get behind him and, and support Liam, hopefully to take out, as a rookie, the first DTM championship uh, in this new era of DTM and, as well and, and, in GT3 and, and, and he'd be the youngest to win it. Well, you started the show Absolutely. excited and you finished the show excited. Finished excited. And we had plenty of people calling what a us, show. which we love. Thank you for yep. calling. Remember, next Thursday, 7 to 9, you know the number, 0800 because if you want to win one of two copies of Neil Comprom's books, The Best Seat in the House, you've got to do that. We shall see you next week. See you, Murph. Well, we'll... Well, yeah, I'll see you. They won't see us because we're on radio, but yes, that's true. Always the smarty. Always the smarty. Get us out of here.